Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who loves us, who gave himself for us. Dear Christian friends, it's said that there are two things in life that are certainties. You know what they are. Death and taxes. And neither of them are particularly appealing, are they? This morning, though, we're going to add a third thing to that list. It's something that is equally unappealing, but sadly just as, as real and just as certain, and that's temptation. See, some temptation certainly fits with death and taxes as, as certainties in life and because we face temptation every day. In fact, we face temptation almost constantly, don't we? I'm, I'm guessing, in fact, that there are some of you that are being tempted right now. Some of you that are tempted to be distracted by, boy, it's a little chilly in here. And some of you that are distracted by, boy, I'm a little warm. And some of you that are distracted by what's coming up this afternoon or what we're going to do, do later or what's coming up this week or all the stuff on my mind and on my heart. And it's really easy to let our minds wander rather than, than drinking from the living waters of God's Word. But the temptations of, of letting our minds wander here probably seem pretty pretty mild, pretty tame compared to some of the other temptations that we, that we face, maybe even some of the other temptations that we are tempted to think of, right? Because we, we face trials and temptations all the time. Every time you pull your phone out of your pocket or out of your purse, there's a whole host of temptations that go along with it, aren't there? Temptations to, to text the latest gossip to a friend, temptation to, to not reply out of anger, temptation to look at your social media and, and compare yourself to others for better or for worse, temptation to pull up that porn site. We're tempted, tempted to, to cheat on our spouse, tempted to steal from our work tempted to disobey our, our boss or our parents, tempted to do it in their face or just by apathy. We're tempted to have misplaced priorities. We're tempted to steal from others, whether it's possessions and, and money or joy because of cruelty or indifference. We're tempted to overindulge. We're tempted to drink too much. We're tempted to focus on the wrong things, to become obsessed with that. We're tempted and tempted and tempted and tempted and tempted and tempted. And the greatest temptation of all is to think temptation isn't a big deal. That's the most dangerous one there is because, because temptation really is a big deal. In fact, it's, it's such a big deal that compared to death and taxes, this is the one that we need to devote more of our hearts, more of our lives, more of our attention, more of our focus on because those other ones, they come around every now and then, taxes at least. Death comes about once, but we tend to focus on, oh, that one 
God says, I want, you to, I want you to focus on this one because temptation is a big deal. It's a much bigger deal, in fact, because it's our first takeaway. Every temptation is a spiritual battle for my soul. That's why we're talking about temptation and getting tough with temptation this morning and this week. In our, our life group Bible studies this week, we'll be taking a look at some, some of the tools, some of the, the tips that God gives us in his word to, to get tough, to deal with temptation. But today we're going to focus less about what to do and more about why. We want to talk about why it's so important that we understand getting tough with temptation and why God wants us to do that. Because, I mean, we can see the reality, the danger with some temptations, right? You're, you're out with friends and you've had a drink or two and you, you're tempted to order a third, but fourth, but you know that you're going to be driving home. Well, you can see the danger in that, right? You're put in a situation like Joseph, tempted to have an affair, and you can see the, the danger in that. You're tempted to, to cheat, to steal, to make things go your way at work for the detriment of the company. Well, you can see where that might be dangerous, right? But there are probably times where we think, you know, how is, how is worry? How is the temptation to get caught in worry such a, a dangerous thing? How's the, the temptation to, to laugh at someone? On the inside, I wouldn't do it to their face, but to laugh at someone and mock them. How's that such a dangerous thing? How's the, the temptation to, to just let my mind drift? How's that such a dangerous thing? The reason that it's so dangerous, the reason that um, that t- temptation is so dangerous is because we tend to not think it's a big deal. We tend to go, oh, it's just, that's just a little thing. It's just a little white lie. It's, it's just this. Nobody else knows about it. It doesn't hurt anybody. It's harmless. Right? We try to come up with ways to, to excuse, even to justify giving in to that temptation because, let's be honest, deep down there's a part of us that wants to. But God wants us to, to realize how big of a deal temptation is and how dangerous it is. And that's what we see in our Bible text this morning from 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning at verse 8. The Bible says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In his book, The Art of War, one of Sun Tzu's famous principles is to know your enemy. To know who you're up against. The problem is we're tempted to think that our enemy is the annoying person who makes it all but impossible to just be annoyed or get mad or laugh at or mock, right? We're tempted to think that, that it's the person who is putting this in front of us, ah, but I I can't help it. It's their fault. 
We tend to think that it's the, our enemy is the greed of others or the, the perversity of the world that puts it all out there for us to see. It's, it's their fault. They're the enemy. God says, no, they're not the enemy. This is the enemy. The devil is your enemy. And understand when he says he's your enemy, it's not like you know, the kind of opponent that after the game you go and you shake hands with, hey, good game. Because it's not a game. And the devil doesn't play fair. And he's out for your soul. And he is waging an all-out war against you. And he's not going to stop. He's not going to stop until either you are his or God takes you to heaven. See, that's why the devil, though, wants us to think temptations are just, they're innocent, they're, they're harmless, they're no big deal. He wants us to think that so that we don't see how extremely dangerous temptation really is. The devil wants you to think it, it's just a harmless thing because he's lurking and he's waiting. He's waiting to pounce. He's waiting to exploit. He's waiting to destroy. Would you click that link? If you knew that your greatest enemy was going to go through your browser history and expose any faults and failings, would you click that link? If you knew that your greatest enemy was going to go through all of your dealings, all of your transactions with a fine-tooth comb, would you play a little fast and loose with the numbers? If you knew that your enemy was just waiting to find a fault, a failing, that it was like the, the, the media, right, uh, when it comes to politicians and just looking for a failing to expose and to pounce on and exploit and throw all over the news. If that was you, would you think temptation was just a harmless thing? Or would you be much, much more careful? Because your enemy, he's doing all that. That's why the Bible gives us this visual, right? Because we tend to think that's not really the case. So, so God gives us this visual of our enemy, of the devil. It's like a lion. I remember about 10 years ago, we were on a family vacation, and Owen, our oldest son, was about four years old, and, and we went to the zoo where we were on vacation, and the zoo that we were at had this really cool lion display. I actually found a picture of it online. Hopefully you can see that. So there's this like safety glass and then there's the lion enclosure. And you're right there. And it was pretty amazing. So this giant male lion with this huge mane climbed down off his perch and he paraded right along the safety glass and all the kids that were pressed up against it were, whoa, so huge. And he was just kind of walking along until right before he got to us 
And he turned his head and opened his jaws and went, Roar! And it wasn't amazing or amusing anymore. As through that two-inch thick safety glass, his jaws were trying to get at my son's head. And his three-inch long fangs were trying to pierce that glass because he wanted to devour his prey. And that's what the devil is doing to you. He is looking to devour you. He's not looking to play nice. His goal isn't just to like throw a little temptation out in front of you and see if it gets you. Ooh, I got him. Oh, I missed this time. Nuts. That's not how the devil works. He is more like this guy, not that guy. That guy, thank you. This roaring lion, ferocious, evil, right? Waiting to get you. Because the devil doesn't just want to tempt you. And he doesn't even just want you to fall into temptation. He doesn't want you to, to give in and, and do that or not do this. No, see what the devil wants. He wants to use your failing, your fall. And he wants to use it to destroy you. Specifically to destroy your faith. Because he wants you to join him in the eternal misery that he has waiting for him. And the thing is, he doesn't want you to see it coming. That brings us to our second takeaway this morning. That hiding behind every temptation I face is my enemy, the devil. Do you see why God wants us to be serious when it comes to temptation? To not take it lightly, think it's harmless, that it's no big deal. That's why he tells us, be alert. Be sober-minded, right? This is a battle for, for your soul, for your eternity. And you're not playing against someone who plays fair or plays nice. God wants you to watch for temptation. Be alert, right? He wants you to be of sober mind, to see temptation for what it is. It's not just a game. It's not just a harmless thing. It is a spiritual battle for your soul. It's dangerous. And that's why God tells us, he gives us a tool then, and he tells us what to do. So, so be alert, be of sober mind, watch out, and then he says in verse 9, resist him, this prowling lion, this, this devil. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. God says, resist him, right? And how does he say to do that? Standing firm in the faith. Notice he doesn't say it all depends on your faith. He says, stand firm in the faith, right? Because it really doesn't depend on you. 
It's not about how strongly or how much you believe. The power comes from what you believe in, in whom you believe in, specifically. In, in Ephesians chapter 6, God talks about the, the spiritual armor that he gives us for life. And one of those, one of those pieces of armor is the, the, the shield of faith, right? And, and the picture is of the Roman soldiers and their shields. So it wasn't like just this little thing that only covered like your head. It was almost the size of a door, the shield that the Roman legion carried. And the reason was that they could hide their entire body behind this shield and be safe from the, the arrows that the enemy would shoot at them. And God says, that's what I want you to do when it comes to faith. I want you to stand behind that shield the shield of your faith. Not because your faith is so strong, not because you believe so strongly, but because of what you believe in, because of the shield. Right? When we were at the zoo, that safety glass was the only thing that, that kept us safe. But it wasn't that I, the reason it kept us safe was because I trusted so much in that safety glass. It was the strength of the glass. God says, that's why I want you to stand firm behind that shield. He will protect you when you stand rooted in God and in his word, when you stand trusting him, trusting his promises. That's why he wants us to be alert, to be watchful, so that when temptation comes along and we hold it up to the light of God's word and we see it for what it really is, and we hear God warning against allowing that into our hearts and into our lives. He says that, that's dangerous. Not just because I don't, not just because it, it's bad, but he warns us because it, he's trying to spare us not only the pain, but the spiritual danger. He wants us to be alert. But he wants us to know why. Why is, he, why is he watching out for us? Why is he warning us of this? Why is he telling us to, to stand firm in him? Well, because he knows you better than you know you. See, he knows where you and I, he knows where our weaknesses are. He knows where the devil attacks. He knows where we're particularly vulnerable. And he says, you aren't all that strong. But when you're behind this shield, when you're protected by me, he can't hurt you. And he wants you to know that when you face temptation, the temptation to, to think that you're alone, that nobody cares, he says, I, I promise I never leave you and I never forsake you. When you're, you're tempted by worry, he wants you to know that his promise that he will work this even this for your good, and that he has got everything. And, and he promises that when you bring all of your cares and your anxiety and your concerns to him, he guards your heart and your mind. God wants you to know all of this and how, why he does it is because how deeply he loves you. He loves you. And so he says, watch out. Be alert and stand firm. 
firm in his word, firm trusting in him, firmly holding on to him and clinging to him for protection, for help, for salvation. Because you might be tempted to even think that you're alone facing this. Not just, not just you're alone in the sense that God's abandoned you, which he has not, and he promises he never will. But that you're alone, that like you're the only one that ever knows how bad this temptation is. <sighs> Why am I alone in this? You're not. And the sad thing is, because as Christians we're tempted to think that we can't acknowledge temptation, that we kind of suffer alone. And God says, nope. The whole family of believers throughout the entire world, every Christian around the world, is being attacked with the same kind of fear and worry and suffering and temptation. You aren't alone. The strength you have is in your connection to God, not just yours personally, but yours together. See, because God wants you to understand how much he cares. You are not alone when you face temptation. Do you know how much he cares? He cares so much that he didn't just stand by and watch. You ever seen that when somebody's like at a store and they're, they're having a tough time and everybody just kind of walks by and does like the big loop around and ooh, that's going to be a messy situation. I don't think I want to get involved. That's not what God does. That's not what God did. Right? He didn't do the the walk around. He didn't do the hmm, sideways glance. Boy, that's going to be a mess in their life. I'm glad I'm not involved. No, that's the opposite of what God did. Take a look at verse 10. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. See, God doesn't just warn us about the danger of temptation. God is the God of grace, right? You know what grace is, undeserved love. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but maybe we're tempted to think about God like in terms of scarcity. Are you a, a scarcity thinker, right? Like I've, I've got to stock up because we never know when we're going to run out and I got to, I got to, right, the gas tank is almost to halfway so I better fill up. God's not like that. Because notice he's not just the God of grace. He's the God of all grace. He's got a monopoly on it. And he's got an endless supply of it. He's got an endless supply of undeserved love. And he doesn't just dole it out like a little bit here. Oh, all right, well, you're on your tenth sin. I guess I'll give you a little grace. Oh, no. He sees us fall. He sees us stumble. And we say, help. And he picks us up. And he washes us clean. How did he do that? We well, did it by not walking around us, but instead by coming to be with us. 
Jesus came here, right? We heard how he went, he walked into that deserted wilderness to face the devil, to be tempted by him so that he could be in our place. And every time the devil attacked, Jesus counterattacked, defeated him with the most powerful weapon there is, the powerful word of God. And every time his disciples tempted him, every time a disciple, even his closest friends betrayed him, every time he was rejected, every time people doubted him, Jesus never, again, he never thought internally, Boy, they're going to get it in the end. He never had a a sarcastic moment, a, a bitter thought. He never got angry. He never got even. He he faced all of those temptations and he faced them perfectly so that he could go to the cross and pay for ours. For every time that we stumble and fall, for every time we dive headlong into temptation, Every time we, we fail and we sin, he went to the cross so that he could pay for them all. So that now when God looks at you, he doesn't see this stained mess. He sees perfection. The perfection of, of Jesus. And every time we stumble, every time we fall, every time we give in to temptation, there's our God. And he restores us. He makes us whole again. He washes away the stain of sin. He removes the guilt and the shame. He forgives completely and fully. And that's our our third takeaway this morning. That when I fall into temptation... God restores me because of Jesus. He is the God of all grace. When I fall, God is there. Not with a look of disappointment, but with more grace. Not with a look of, again, but with more grace. And he restores again and again and again. And then he strengthens us. You know how he does that? By restoring us. Because, man, I don't deserve to be restored. I deserve to have God do the, do the walk around. I've seen, this, I've seen this mess before. I know as this goes. That's going to end badly. And I deserve to have God do a really wide berth around me and just keep on going. But he doesn't. Not ever. And, And because he loves me and because he restores me, because he forgives me again and again, I get it through my thick head. And I get it a little bit clear, more clearly in my heart just how great my God is. Just how deeply he loves me. And I stand firm. And I fight temptation. 
because my God is so great. My God loves me. My God warns me about the danger and he picks me up when I fall. Because he's already defeated the devil. My enemy that's just waiting to attack, he's been defeated. He's just trying to go out in a blaze of glory. That's why God gives us this armor and protects us and gives us all of these things to stand against the devil, to stand firm, knowing that when we fall, when we fail, he's there to pick us up and wash us off and restore us again and again and again. So that no matter how many times the devil attacks, our God never gives up. He never walks away. He always restores. And he's going to do that until he takes us out of the temptation of this world into the perfection of heaven. Because our God is so great, because he loves us so much, let's be, let's be alert. Let's watch. Let's stand firm. Let's resist. Let's get tough with temptation. Not because of the strength that's in me, but because of my God, who's already defeated that devil. And he's the one who's guiding and guarding and protecting and forgiving me. And you. Amen.